I got dressed. I rushed over there. Fire brigade had already done their job. There was smoke billowing. Some of the neighbors were standing around watching. And for me, really, it was as if time stood still because all I could see was my livelihood, my future, everything I believed I'd worked so hard for going up in smoke. You know, I felt numb. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. Hi there, I'm Dr. Mark Rowe and welcome to In the Doctor's Chair. Complimenting my usual guest interview podcasts, I'm delivering a collection of short solo episodes to support your choice to live with more vitality. Here I share concepts, lifestyle habits, and well-researched practices to support you in your commitment to live your best life. In this first episode, I share a part of my own personal story, addressing life's inevitable setbacks, how by changing our mindset, we can choose to turn struggles into opportunities to realize post-traumatic growth with an enhanced sense of purpose and meaning. If you're a leader who recognizes, particularly since COVID-19, that living with vitality and building a more resilient mind matter now more than ever for you and your team, then this podcast is for you. For further details, visit drmarkrow.com. From a very young age, I had always dreamed about becoming a doctor. I think from the age of six or seven, I never really wanted to do anything else. You know, my granddad had been a GP. Many of my uncles and aunts on my mother's side had been doctors. So it was certainly in the family. And my granddad was a big influence on me. I was always interested in people. So I think it was fairly natural for me to head towards family practice. And I've been a GP now for more than 25 years. And I'm working in the area that I grew up as a young boy, a working class area. And it's an enormous privilege for me to serve my community of patients there. And, you know, it gives me a great sense of uh, personal satisfaction. We work in a beautiful former Pugin designed convent building, which we redeveloped as the Waterford Health Park in 2009. It's a very welcoming place. We have a healing garden in the center of the building. There's a beautiful vegetarian coffee shop on site. And, you know, if you're listening to this and if you ever get a chance to come to Waterford, please come and visit the Waterford Health Park. You'll get a warm welcome and a great cup of coffee there. And you can really see how environment can really have such a positive impact on the provision of health and health care. And really the whole philosophy behind the Waterford Health Park was to normalize the health experience to reduce some of the anxieties that are, you know, natural enough in, in attending the doctor and really try and make 
health an integral part of the community in which people live. In other words, I believe strongly that positive health includes building education, building, you know, exercise programs, connecting with positive health enhancing environments, building social capital, that all all of these things are intricately connected. I'm also a great believer in life in learning from your experiences and the power of reflection and really looking back and seeing how you can do things more effectively. And back in 2009, we had a horrendous economic crash here in Ireland. You know, as a GP, I was seeing so many people who were who were struggling, so many people who lost their jobs, who were living in fear of losing their homes, who had negative equi- equity, who had mortgages they couldn't pay. Many young people who could leave left, you know, went to Australia or Canada, but there was a lot of other people who were trapped with uh, mortgages, families, commitments. And, you know, I was seeing a lot of these people in my practice. Some clearly were very depressed, uh, but more than that, people lacked a sense of hope. And I really appreciated in a real way as a doctor that I needed to learn new skills to support people because more often than pills or Prozac, people really needed uh, a renewed sense of hope and purpose and a sense of, you know, new new possibilities. So that really encouraged me to go off and learn some new skills. So that's when I really began to look at this idea of positive psychology and a strength-based approach to living. I began to look at the timeless truths of philosophy, people like Marcus Aurelius, who said, you know, be like the cliff against which the waves crash, but which stands firm. As Socrates said, to know yourself. And that beautiful American poet Maya Angelou, who once wrote that you may trod me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but just like dust, I'll rise. Or words that that affect, in other words, the power of real resilience. And those words really stuck with me. And I learned about the power and the benefits of keeping a journal, of learning how to reframe setbacks and struggles through the lens of growth and connection, how to learn how to express gratitude and how to really, I suppose, develop a better understanding of the power of self-care, building new lifestyle habits, how the really simple things like taking good care of yourself, exercise, sleep, supportive relationships, learning to talk about how you feel. These could make a big impact on how you felt. You know, I suppose that's really the idea of lifestyle as medicine and the idea of resilience. You know, I've been using these strategies as part of what I call my toolkit as a family doctor for, you know, for over 12 years now. And it's not that you use them in every situation, but they're always there and different people need different things at different moments in time. So I simply believe that the more tools you have to offer people, the more of a resource you can be to support people. So that's really where the idea of positive psychology and philosophy and lifestyle as medicine is really has come from. I just want to share a story with you about uh, a dark time in my own life when I started in practice over 20 years ago. Just think for a moment about something that, that's given you a real sense of personal satisfaction and achievement. Perhaps it was some prize you won at school or just something that really made you feel really proud. And that's how I felt when we started our practice first uh, back in 1999. We'd rented a space over a corner shop in the housing estate 
where I'd grown up. In fact, it was right across the road from where my parents lived at the time. It was very local, very personal to me. And we worked really hard to make that place warm and welcoming, bright blue paint on the walls. And it might sound ridiculous now, but back then we even invested in our own coffee machine, which was quite a thing uh, back in 1999. And everything was going really well. You know, we worked hard, the practice grew and... About a year later, I remember the morning, a Friday morning in February, I got the early morning call. Are you Mark Rowe, the doctor? Uh, you better come quickly. Your practice is on fire. And I got dressed. I rushed over there. Fire brigade had already done their job. There was smoke billowing. Some of the neighbors were standing around watching. And for me, really, it was as if time stood still because all I could see was my livelihood, my future, everything I believed I'd worked so hard for going up in smoke. You know, I felt numb. Remember a couple of hours later, we were allowed to enter the premises. And as I climbed the stairs, I'll never forget the smell. There was a pungent stench of smoke and charred wood. And I could see what looked like the remains of a red party balloon on the wall. And as I got closer, I realized it was simply what was left of the fire extinguisher, which had completely melted. The computers upstairs and the coffee machine had melted beyond recognition. There were flakes of ember in the waiting room where magazines were neatly once stacked. The equipment was totally destroyed and the rooms were a mess. You know, the once bright blue waiting area was now a grim Stone Age wreck. I really felt, you know, broken at that moment. But, you know, we were doctors. We had people that depended on us. So we dusted ourselves down. We did what we had to do, worked through the weekend. The fire was on a early Friday morning. We were open again the following Monday because the show had to go on. But I took that fire really personally on the inside. You know, a feeling of fear and anxiety consumed me. Footage from CCTV had shown that two hooded youths had broken into the premises. Four separate fires had been set. But the bottom line was this was no accident. It was arson, deliberate arson. You know, I felt angry. Who did this? Why? Why did this happen? Would they, whoever they were, would they come to my home next? And my sense of my sense of safety and security in the world was shaken. You know, no one was hurt in the fire, so I sort of felt a bit guilty for feeling this way as well. And of course, as a doctor, I meet people all the time who deal so bravely with real health challenges. So it was a bit of a paradox. And I also felt ashamed because I believed that bad things only happen to people if they deserve them back then, which was kind of ridiculous, to be honest. But there you go. And, you know, all of those negative emotions sort of they, they jumped around in my head and they made me feel quite irritable. I had poor sleep for weeks, nightmares uh, of the fire. Went back into my shell a little bit. I stopped doing the things I would recommend everybody to do if you're feeling stressed. In other words, I stopped exercising. I was eating too many carbs and I sort of wallowed in it a little bit uh, with, with thinking patterns like poor me and why and all of that. I went on for a couple of months. At that stage, I realized you know, I had a choice. I could keep on feeling sorry for myself. I could keep on wallowing in my needless negativity. It wasn't going to bring the pre-fire situation back. It wasn't going to turn back the clock. That's why I chose to see things differently. I chose to let go of the fire and of the need to know why. I learned to face my fears and address my feelings of anger and anxiety. And I learned the gift of acceptance to simply accept that what happened had happened and to move on. 
And I can put my hand on my heart more than 20 years later and honestly tell you today that I am now so grateful for that fire because that fire has taught me so much about guts and graft, gritty persistence, about resilience, how resilient I am, but also, you know, how resilient you are, how resilient we all are, because we all face fires in our lives. And a wise man once said, everything that brings light must endure burning. You know, we we experience fires in our health, our fires in our careers, our fires in our relationships when our heart is broken into a hundred pieces. I've had plenty of fires in my life. I'm sure you have too. It's called life. We all experience pain. We all suffer. But that fire became a spark for me. And that's my hope for you too, that you will embrace the inevitable fires in your life, get a better sense of who you are and grow as a human being. Find the spark of opportunity and allow yourself to become wiser, stronger and better. I really like this term that I call realistic optimism, which in essence means that no matter what happens, things can get better through the power of your efforts, that you have the power to choose how to respond in any given situation. I think that's the thing about life. Life is rarely plain sailing for anyone. We all experience setbacks. But what's interesting is that when you do see things differently, you never go back to the old way. Seeing things through the eyes of new perspectives and growth, it boosts your sense of self in terms of your self-awareness, your self-acceptance. You know, once the genie is out of the bottle, there's no going back. One of my favorite books of all time is Man's Search for Meaning, written by Viktor Frankl. And he said so prophetically that when we're no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. You know, he was better qualified than almost anybody I've ever come across to talk about this. He struggled for survival in the depravity of Auschwitz, a Nazi concentration camp. And in his book, he described almost unimaginable human cruelty and suffering. And his humility and his steely resilience in the face of this are really an example to everyone dealing with life's challenges. Because despite the harrowing circumstances he found himself in, Viktor Frankl understood that he had the power to choose how to respond in any given moment. And by exercising that choice, he felt in some ways he had more freedom than his Nazi captors. As he said, when we're no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Which brings me to this topic of post-traumatic growth. I think it's very relevant nowadays, particularly in the midst of the COVID pandemic, to think about post-COVID growth. Because research has found that many people experience positive growth after stressful life events or stressful setbacks and struggles. Research suggests that more than 60% of men and more than 50% of women experience at least one traumatic event during their lifetime. That may be loss or bereavement or serious illness or displacement or war or famine or natural disasters or unemployment or relationship issues. But despite that, the majority do not develop post-traumatic stress. By contrast, many grow from their experiences. This is the whole idea of post-traumatic growth. Resilience is bouncing back from setbacks and struggles, but growth is really bouncing forward that you actually develop 
perhaps a new sense of spiritual change or you change how you use your personal strengths. I mean, personal strengths commonly seen in post-traumatic growth include the strengths of gratitude or the strength of resilience or the strength of optimism. You may have more appreciation for life and for those people in your life that really matter. You may have improved relationships with other people. You may have an enhanced sense of compassion and altruism or new perspectives on life itself in terms of how to live, in terms of your sense of purpose and your relationship, not just with yourself, but other people as well. Quite simply, a positive mindset can see more opportunities where the negative mindset sees more obstacles. That's really what I want to say to you today, this idea of learning to embrace stress, to be able to change your mindset from what have I lost to how can I grow? Turning life's inevitable setbacks and struggles into opportunities to grow with an enhanced sense of purpose and meaning. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com. Oh,